Welcome back to another episode of Win Championship Repeat Boston Sports Podcast. And on this week's episode, we are going to be discussing the New England Patriots' loss to the Vegas Vegas Raiders and what uh, that means for the rest of the season and why I think they could lose most of the rest of the games and should lose most of the rest of the games of the season and why I feel like their best bet is focusing on next year and not focusing on this year. So, let's get started. Patriots uh, had what was a less than stellar um, game against um, the uh, Vegas Raiders in a game that was, at times, looked like it could have been very winnable. And there was um, a uh, situation at the end of the game where... um, there was a throw by Mac Jones, which led to, um, which led to a uh, dropped pass that should have been, or could have been caught, um, and that led to a safety, which basically ended the chances of the New England Patriots even getting a shot at getting a win in this game. And uh, they lost 21 to 17. It was within reach, um, but they just couldn't get it done. Uh, and so the Patriots, uh, Mac Jones, uh, 24-33 with one interception, 200 yards. Um, not, you know, the greatest game for him. Jimmy G, one touchdown, one interception, 14-22. to He got injured big time. Brian Hoyer came in 6-10, 102 yards. Um, Ramondre Stevenson had a touchdown. He had uh, 10 carries, 46 yards. Ezekiel Elliott had 7 carries, 34 yards in his first Patriots touchdown which that's big. Um, And then we saw Josh Jacobs had 25 for 77 rushing yards. Um, Receiving yards, there were no touchdowns. um, But Kendrick Bourne, 10 for 89 yards. Um, Michael Mayer for Las Vegas, uh, five receptions, 75 yards. Jacoby Myers, 561 in a touchdown. So he had a touchdown against the Patriots. That is his first uh, touchdown. Uh, against uh, his former team, uh, and uh, there were no fumbles in this one uh, from both sides. We saw no sacks for the Patriots. Uh, we saw four sacks for Vegas. Belial uh, Nichols and Max Crosby both half sack. Amik Robinson one sack. John Jenkins one sack. Adam Butler one sack. Um, then we saw Jelani Tavai with an interception for no yards, and Trayvon Mohrig. One interception off of Mac Jones, 22 yards. Um, we saw a kick return and a punt return for the Patriots, a punt return for Vegas. Um, and then uh, Chad Ryland was 1-1 on field goals and 2-2 on extra points. Daniel Carlson was also perfect 4-4 on field goals, 1-1 one of one on extra points. Um, Patriots are now 1-5 in the AFC East. They do not look good. They do not have a great team. They do not have a lot of talent. Um, They are, by all accounts, a failure of a team this year. They did not look uh, how they should have. And, you know, that was, um, you know, that's how it is so far. And so there are some out there who are still looking for the Patriots to keep improving and getting better this season and, you know, trying to make the playoffs this team is not going to make the playoffs, and so if you really want to see this team improve and get better and have you know some strides in the right direction, 
They got to get the worst pick in the draft. They got to be the number one pick in the draft. They got to focus on what gets them to the bottom. And so I think this is at the point where you have to give up any idea of making the playoffs because Buffalo's four and two, Miami is five and one, Kansas City's five and one. I mean, New York and Las Vegas are both three and three, so they got a ton of better record uh, than the Patriots. Um, so I don't see New England even getting a shot. I just don't think they they can do it. And if you look at what the Patriots have coming up for games. Their next two games are going to be losses because it's Miami-Buffalo. Um, those two are going to be uh, Buffalo at home, uh, Miami at the Dolphins. Uh, so loss-loss right there. Commanders, that's uh, a loss as well because Commanders actually don't look too bad, i, I got to say. Um, so that's uh, something there. Uh, and then going down the line, uh, Colts, uh, if Anthony Richardson's back, I don't see the Patriots winning that one. Giants might be a win just because both of these teams, I think, are fighting for a number one pick. So they're both probably going to fight for that uh, loss. Or maybe not fight for that loss, but one's going to lose, and it could be the Patriots, could be the Giants. Uh, Chargers are probably going to win. Steelers will probably win. Chiefs, obviously, they'll win. Broncos, uh, that's that's expected, uh, as, in my opinion, another game like the Giants because they're going to be trying to get the number one overall pick. So. We'll see where they go. And then finishing out the season in uh, the Buffalo game and then uh, the Jets. Um, so the Jets game is at home, last game of the season. Buffalo Bills, uh, last road game of the season. And so uh, that's where you're at. Um, and I don't think they're going to win a lot of these games. So let's assume, for sake of argument, that uh, they beat uh, we'll just say they beat the Giants because the Giants don't really care. And then let's just say they win one more game throughout the season. So their record is three wins um, in the season. Not great, right? So uh, you got to be focused on you know what's coming for the draft because you're going to be potentially picking top five, top ten for sure at that point. And you're not going to win a playoff game. You're not going to get close to the playoffs, so don't even think about that. Now, it's coming up on the trade deadline, so the Patriots have a few decisions to make on a lot of their one-year contract-type guys. Um, you know, they have uh, Josh Yuchi, they have Michael Iwanu, they have Cal Duggar, they have Hunter Henry, Hendrick Bourne. Um, so there's names out there that they could go for. Trent Brown uh, is another one. And so, to me, their best choice in all of this is to trade away some of these pieces. Like Josh Yuchi get him out of here, trade him for a draft pick, because you need what you need, Hunter Henry, I like Hunter Henry, so I'd keep him, just because they really don't have a lot of other options, um, if you get rid of Kendrick Bourne, I wouldn't be upset with that, just because you got Tyquan Thornton, you got Demario Douglas, you got Keishon Butte, give those three guys a shot, um, you want to see what you got out of those three, um, and so I wouldn't be uh, upset if they got rid of Kendrick Bourne, I don't think they get rid of Michael Owanu just because they don't have a ton of uh, offensive line help, and so they need what they need. Um, they'd be more movable pieces on defense because that's uh, not as big of a need compared to the O-line. So I don't see Trent Brown getting traded or Owanu for that reason. I want them to keep Duggar because I think he's a great piece to have. He's also their best safety. 
But if the right price comes up, then I guess you could try and move him. Uh, but I'd probably stick with keeping him around um, in my own two cents of it all. Uh, but they need to make some sort of seller-type moves. You know, there's obviously going to be teams looking for that last piece, looking for that last wide receiver, looking for that last, you know, whatever you need. And the Patriots can help with that because, you know, we got to start from scratch and go into the offseason, potentially getting a new quarterback. Now, Mac Jones, there have been some uh, on Reddit and other social media that have been talking about trading him or potentially trading him. But the question I have is, does he really have any value um, now? Does he have any value next year? Like, where is the value for Mac Jones and what is it? So I think uh, Mac Jones could have value to a team like the Raiders, who just lost Jimmy G, or a team out there, you know, like the Bears, if Justin Fields is going to be out for a little while. Um, you know, if Anthony Richardson has his issues, they could potentially try and bring in Mac Jones. I mean, Gardner Minshew's kind of stepping up when needed, but I guess you never know. And so I think you could probably get more value out of Mac Jones as a trade deadline piece than you would as an offseason piece because I think the teams that need quarterbacks will draft quarterbacks and the teams that have uh, injury prone and injury quarterbacks they'll come back um, so the value is probably highest now um, if anything and so I think best you can get for Mac Jones uh, is probably a late third like a compensating Tory third I think your best uh, expectations should be fourth round so I think if they get a fourth-round pick for Mac Jones, that's like a good deal. Um, and then Bailey Sappy and Malik uh, Cunningham would probably be your two QBs. Um, they could try and trade for another guy. Um, if they trade away Mac, they could go for another option on a team, um, you know, potentially uh, trying to fill a void just for a cheap option, maybe like a Cooper Rush uh, in Dallas um, if they really wanted to or somebody else. but. I think, you know, you could work with Zappi. He isn't as, you know, good as Mac Jones, but he's not too much of a, a difference. And then maybe Cunningham does something. You know, that's obviously an option. So um, if Mac Jones is to get traded, it should be deadline because teams obviously need a quarterback for um, their sort of uh, rest of the season, especially if they're trying to win games. And so um, if there's injuries, then... You know, you're going to see, obviously, some of those quarterbacks who got injured for most of the season or just for a little time. So, uh, Mac Jones has more value then to me. I think his ceiling, Mac Jones' ceiling to me, is a backup quarterback, but like a veteran backup quarterback. Like, I could see Mac Jones playing 13 years in the NFL as a backup and having, like, this role of being, like, the sort of number two option, you know, if a team has uh, a quarterback that gets injured a lot, maybe Mac Jones is their uh, number two option because he's just reliable as a healthy backup. But he's not great with the Patriots. He's not great as a starter. And I mean, if they trade him somewhere else and he has success, that's important and that's good. But I don't think he's really working for us. And would they trade him? Probably not for now. But I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they did. And so. Um, you know, that's where we're at. So the next thing that I want to kind of talk about with Patriots is what I think is coming, which is the end of an era in Patriots football and the beginning of an era 
of sort of this rebuild slash retool slash um, really just change in New England. So for a majority of Patriots fans out there, um, they really don't remember or really don't know what life was like before Tom Brady. And I don't because I started watching the Patriots when they won their first Super Bowl. And I don't remember Patriots football uh, before Tom Brady even uh, came in because that was a little bit too young for me. Um, and so I do remember Drew Bledsoe just a little bit, but not really too much. Mac, uh, my memory is more of the championship and Tom Brady and all that stuff and then going forward um, because I was just way too young for the, the Bledsoe uh, 2000, 99, that sort of era. And so uh, for a lot of us, we don't know what it's like to see the Patriots at their lowest. We don't know what it's like to see the Patriots losing and not having success and not being a great team and not having, you know, those guys who get you over the hurdle and get you into the Super Bowl. Yeah, they had a Super Bowl chance in 85. They lost to the Bears. They they lost uh, to the uh, Green Bay Packers and Brett Favre in the 90s, but they weren't great and they weren't good and they're not like a team that ever had that real success until Brady came along. And for 20 years, Brady was the guy and Brady got us to the playoffs almost every single year he was here. And um, he was just so great at being a quarterback and we just didn't have to worry. Now we have a situation where we do have to worry because we don't have that security blanket. Tom Brady made players better. And you could basically go into a game with Tom Brady and a bunch of just scrubby wide receivers and tight ends and running backs, and you could probably win that game pretty easily because Brady was just that good. He was able to get his receivers to be wide open. He was able to get uh, enough time in the pocket to throw the ball. And a lot of his offensive tackles uh, and offensive linemen were high draft choices and some were low, low draft choices. And some of the guys who were a big part of their team were you know, guys like Wes Welker and guys like Danny Amendola and Julian Edelman and Chris Hogan. And these are not guys who were, you know, studs as wide receivers. Yes, Randy Moss was Hall of Fame Randy Moss. Um, but outside of him, the rest of the wide receivers weren't really uh, star level guys when they came in. Um, and Julian Edelman turned out to be the greatest of this bunch. Um, but, you know, when it's all said and done, he was an amazing quarterback and they were an amazing team. And now we're in sort of this rebuild and I think a lot of fan bases are happy with how the Patriots are doing because this is what they were hoping for for 20 years and it never came and now it is you know obviously I would love to see the Patriots make the playoffs and win games and go to the Super Bowl again but I don't think that's coming anytime soon and I don't think it's going to be with Belichick as the head coach and if you look at the way that the NFL has been moving around the coaches that have been getting hired have most likely been younger coaches you have you know guys who are a little bit on the the younger side of things Mike McDaniels Sean McVay uh Kyle Shanahan uh you know the coaches that have been coming in Matt LaFleur these are guys who have maybe some experience as assistant coaches but they're not you know veterans uh like Andy Reid or Belichick or you know Ron Rivera and you know they're more uh inexperienced in that department um, and so for the Patriots, if they look for a new head coach eventually, uh, that's the direction that they should go in. But you want to have a head coach that you can build your team with, right? 
You want to have a head coach who can come in here and take this team from the next level uh, and start from scratch with a new group of guys. And, you know, if you get in a new quarterback, you get in a new head coach, you know, you get in some new offensive uh, linemen and some wide receivers, then you're looking pretty good. And so I think a lot of Patriots fans are very, you know, rush, rush, rush. Like they want to rush the process. And it might not be something that's a one-year fix. You know, as much as we'd love it to be that, it might be a few years before we actually see, um, you know, a foundation put together and a championship roster getting built because it doesn't happen uh, overnight. Rome wasn't built in a day. Uh, the Patriots weren't built in uh, one season um, with Tom Brady. Uh, they had a lot of pieces that built up to that. And so it's going to be very interesting watching the Patriots now because, you're not going to be going into games expecting to win. You're going to be going into games expecting them to lose because they're not good enough to win against the average uh, amount of uh, NFL teams. And, you know, unless there's an NFL team like the Bears or the Broncos or the Giants, you know, a team that's at the bottom looking to try and be at the bottom, you're really going to have a hard time getting victories against these teams. And it's going to potentially lead to Belichick and just his leaving of the Patriots entirely because if Belichick has to sit and kind of watch this rebuild unfold is he going to really want to do that you know Doc Rivers when the big three ended didn't want to stay in Boston because he wasn't there for a rebuild he wanted to be a championship team coach he got moved to the Clippers who had Lob City with Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin and so at that time he wasn't looking to rebuild with the Celtics now Belichick is A, not someone who I think wants to rebuild, but I also don't think he's going to want to eventually have to give up his control. He's been so great. Um, is he going to want to be able to give up the general manager position if Kraft comes to him and says so? If Kraft says we're going to hire a new GM and you can just be the head coach, is Belichick going to be on board or is he going to be upset? And so this could be the offseason that Belichick leaves Maybe he retires for a year and comes back. Maybe he goes somewhere else. Because I just don't know if he's going to want to be with the Patriots if he doesn't have full control of the Patriots. And if Kraft says, hey, this is what you got, it's you know a little bit here, a little bit there, then that's fine. But I don't know if Belichick's on board with that. I honestly think he would be uh, so upset with the whole situation um, to me. And so next week, Patriots are playing the Buffalo Bills. It's not going to be a great game. Uh, we're not going to win. I, I just don't see uh, how we can come out on top. And if you lose too straight to the Dolphins, the Bills, um, you know, then uh, it's going to be a 1-7 record, and there's really no coming back from that. And so if you are not embracing this sort of tank, this rebuild, this whatever you want to call it, um, by that point you should probably accept it because there's no real coming back. When you're that sort of late in the game, it's not much you can do. Now, I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about the Red Sox in their general manager spot and about a potential name that could be uh, on the board as an option. So a lot of people have been uh, given their two cents on the whole situation, and one of those uh, options that has made herself known as of recently uh, is former uh, Miami Marlins front office executive Kim uh, NG, uh, who potentially could be someone that the Red Sox are looking at. Um, and uh, 
they ended up uh, letting her go. Uh, the Marlins came out and said that uh, Kim will not be returning as the general manager in 2024. Um, and, uh, yeah, it sounds like Miami uh, wanted uh, to hire someone, uh, I guess, um, who was uh, a president of baseball operations above her. And uh, I guess she, she left and things kind of split there. And so is she someone who could be a potential option? Um, yeah, I think so. I think the Red Sox have to look at all angles and they have to look at um, what works and what doesn't. The question I have is if she didn't want someone stepping above her in uh, Miami, would she be okay with uh, being the general manager but having ownership that's down your throat um, like John Henry and company? Um, because that could be something that maybe isn't the best option, you know. She could be looking at this job and saying, can I make these decisions and you guys back me fully? Or is it going to be a situation where she comes around and they're like, well, we're going to have to have our two cents um, in the whole story here before you can make these moves. You know, I think, you know, what somebody wants is the ability to kind of make their own decisions without sort of a ton of input from the, the higher ups uh, who own the team. Uh, and also, I guess the question becomes with her, is she okay with Alex Cora as the manager? You know, if she comes in here and the team says Alex Cora is our guy, is she going to be okay with that? Or are they going to say, oh, it's only for one season and then you can kind of go in there and pick your own option? Or are they going to say, well, we're sticking with Alex Cora and that's just not changing and is that going to cause some issues? And so um, that is a very interesting uh, situation that could be taking place. Uh, if they do uh, bring her in. Um, and so that's uh, something we'll have to watch. We'll see if it works out. Another name that has been thrown out there is uh, Gabe Kapler, who is a coach, uh, most notably with the San Francisco Giants recently, but he could be um, someone that gets that bump to this position because he has experience playing with the Red Sox, and that obviously could uh, elevate him on the uh, uh, the list. Um, I was also looking at this article um, in terms of uh, Yahoo Sports article about who potentially could be an option, who's in, who's out, sort of what's the options uh, at this point. So uh, let's kind of see what they got. Um, so uh, first option is... Uh, Quinn's general manager, Thad Levine, who is a strong candidate uh, for the head of baseball operations role. He's interviewing at some point with the team. Uh, and uh, former Pittsburgh Pirates GM Neil Huntington is a candidate, uh, as well as former pitcher Craig Breslow, who is the current Chicago Cubs. Um, I think he's an assistant general manager or something like that. Um, and he's in the mix as well. And he's from Connecticut. Um, and uh, another person, uh, candidate, is uh, James Click, who is from Toronto, uh, Blue Jays. Uh, so there are a few options that got taken off the board. Um, Brandon Gomes, who was the Dodgers uh, general manager, he's from uh, Massachusetts. Uh, there was the connections there. He's out. You know, that's not happening. 
Uh, also, Philadelphia Phillies, Sam Fold, who was someone that they really wanted to uh, go for. Um, and Twins president of baseball operations, Derek Falvey, uh, also declined. Um, uh, they all were not having it. Uh, and Fold was obviously one of the leading candidates um, as well. Uh, in this article, they also say that GM, assistant GM Eddie Romero is considered the favorite among uh, internal candidates. Um, and I think uh, that is uh, something that was mentioned in the article. And uh, I also um, read the article and it talked about Kim Nang, uh, who they, I just talked about that earlier. Um, and the article says uh, from Yahoo Sports that they're uncertain whether they plan to pursue her in um, anything. So uh, here's basically the list here. So uh, in the running, Thad Levine, James Click, Neil Huntington, Greg Breslow, Eddie Romero, Kim uh, Nang, um, and then guys that are not uh, on the table because they declined or no chance, Theo Epstein, Mike Hazen, uh, John Daniels, uh, Brandon Gomes, Sam Fold, and Derek Feldy. So who knows exactly who's going to take over the spot, if any of those are a new option, but that's the, the latest news on all of those players, uh, former players, general managers, assistant GMs, all sorts of uh, figures in baseball that could take over the Red Sox, uh, you know, general manager gig and some guys that are out because they don't want it or just it's not happening.